Hi, I'm Tina Spangler with TLC Barrels and welcome to my podcast. Today I'd like to recap rounds 9 and 10 of the NFR. But before I do, I want to share a little story with you. I woke this morning um, to go out to my driveway. I backed my truck up to the gate because I have my groceries delivered. I've always hated grocery shopping and one thing that came positive out of COVID was home delivery of groceries and it keeps me on a budget. So I spend exactly a certain amount and they I back my truck to the gate. They deliver it. I bring it in the house. It's done. I don't have to go in the store. I don't have to load it in the truck, unload it out of the truck, load it. It's awesome. So anyways, that's not the point of my conversation. When I pulled my truck to the gate, there was something sitting on my fence post. It was a little present wrapped with a bow. So I was like, oh, I wonder if a friend or a neighbor went by and left me something. So I looked at it and there was paper inside it. And so I thought, well, there must be a card inside. So I took it in the house and I unwrapped it. And there was a, there was definitely a card in there. And the card said, um, let's see, Merry Christmas. You are not alone and you are loved. And then there was a letter included. And the letter said, The Man and the Birds by Paul Harvey. I wanted to share it today because of it being Christmas time. And it just really touched my heart. And I know I'm not alone and I'm loved. And I know that because, uh, and I don't know if these people knew I live by myself or what. So I don't know if that's good or bad. But <laughs> either way, um, when I sold my old farm, my I love that branch. I lived on 20 acres and I had 500 acres to ride on with just cattle and um I, I spent 19 years riding out there with my horses and my dogs and never seen another soul training horses and personal horses. And I love my life there. But after my divorce and having a big mortgage there, my hip was starting to give me a lot of problems. I couldn't train horses. My ex stopped paying alimony and I got scared because I had a $1,300 mortgage. So I prayed and I prayed and I tried to find other things like a roommate or things like that. I tried other options, maybe make a living doing something different, you know, more clinics, more lessons, but I couldn't train horses like I was. Um, and it was all happening quickly. So I had to make a quick decision. So I decided to sell and I prayed and God found me this ranch and sold my other ranch literally in a week. And I say God did it because I sold my house and found my new ranch that I had the exact money to pay off from my equity in my other ranch. Exactly, like $5,000 left over. So um, it was uh, awesome. And it all happened smoothly. Both the They were a cash sale. This was a cash sale. Everything closed exactly where it should. I mean, it went smooth as could be. Um, and I felt like God brought me here. You know, and um, I'm not saying there weren't ups and downs. After I got here, I, I set it all up. Um, you know, I already had the arena bar and everything. Uh, I started taking in one training horse a month. I could ride one horse a month. I just couldn't ride five a month. And the first two training horses that were here for the first two months uh, each were great. So four or five months goes by. And the fifth horse that comes in, or the fifth month, the, the third horse that comes in, um, I end up ride him for 30 days everything goes awesome and then one day he bucks and wigs out for no apparent reason that I to this day still don't know why um and he broke my hip 
it fractured. So I was freaked out again. And then the, the blessing that came from that was my coaching group, which over 200 people have signed up for and over 115 stay in it for the last two and a half years. Um, and that, that money. So now I don't have to train a horse once one horse a month. I have my coaching group monthly and at least half of them pay by the year. And it's just been a blessing. So I guess my point is uh, when I read you the story before I talk about the finals is we don't always understand why things happen and we don't always see our blessings in the middle of the turmoil. So whether it's in competition or if it's in your personal life, I know sometimes we don't always know what's going on, but I think if we keep our eyes open, God is there all the time, maybe sending us a guardian angel, maybe talking to us in other ways. Um, showing us the way. So just trust in your heart and pray on it is what I'm trying to say. But let me share this story. Unable to trace its paper parentage, I have designated this as my Chris, as my Christmas story of the man and the birds. You, you know the Christmas story, the God um, born a man in a manger uh, God, the God, God was born a man in the manger and all that escapes some moderns, mostly I think because they seek um, for complex answers and to their questions. And, and this is one is awfully, utterly simple. So for the cynics and the skeptics and the uh, unconvinced, I submit a modern parable. Sorry, I'm having trouble reading their writing a little bit. Um, now, the man to whom I'm going to introduce you was not a Scrooge. He was a kind, decent, mostly good man, generous to his family and upright in his dealings with other men. But he just didn't believe all that stuff which the churches proclaim at Christmas time. It just didn't make sense. And he was too honest to pretend otherwise. He just couldn't swallow the Jesus story about God coming to earth as a man. I'm truly sorry to distress you, he told his wife, but I'm not going with you to church this Christmas Eve. He said he felt like a hypocrite if he would, that he'd much rather just stay at home, but that he would wait for them to return. So he stayed up and they went to the midnight service. Shortly after the family drove away in the car and the snow began to fall, he went to the window to watch as the flurries kept getting heavier and heavier. And then he went back to his fireside chair and he began to read this, his newspaper. Moments later, he was startled by a thudding sound, and then another, and then another. A sort of thump or a, or a thud. At first, he thought someone must be throwing snowballs against his uh, bedroom, or excuse me, living room window. But when he went to the front door to investigate, he found a flock of birds huddled miserably in the snow. 
They had been caught in a storm and they were desperate to search for shelter. And they had tried to fly through his large landscape window. He couldn't let the poor creatures lie there and freeze, so he remembered the barn where his children stable their pony. That would provide a warm shelter if he could direct the birds to it. Quickly, he put on a coat, galoshes, and tromped out to the deepening snow to the barn. He opened the doors wide and turned on the light. But the birds would not come in. He figured feed might entice them, so he went back in. He hurried back into the house, fetched some breadcrumbs, sprinkled them in a trail back to the barn, to the wide open doors and the lights in the stable. But to his dismay, the birds ignored the breadcrumbs and continued to flop around helplessly in the snow. He tried catching them. He tried shooing them into the barn by walking around behind them and waving their, his arms. Instead, he scattered in every direction except into the warm, lighted barn. They scattered in every direction except towards the barn. And then he realized that he was afraid, that they were afraid of him. He realized they were afraid of him. To them, he re reasoned, I am strange and terrifying creature. If only I could think of some way to let them know that they can trust me, that I'm not trying to hurt them, but I want to help them. But how? Because any move he made tended to frighten them, confuse them. They just would not follow. They would not be led or shooed because they feared him. If only I could be a bird, he thought to himself, and mingle with them and speak their language. Then I could try to tell them to not be afraid. Then I could show them a very a way to be safe and warm. The safe and warm barn. But I would have to be one of them so they could see and hear and understand. At that very moment, the church bells began, began to ring. The sound reached his ears above the sounds of the wind. He stood there listening to the bells ringing and the glad tidings of Christmas, the glad singing of Christmas. And he sank to his knees in the snow. Wow, that's pretty amazing. And that's what I found at my gate this morning. So I wanted to share that with y'all. Um, that's a very, very moving story, I thought. So I just wanted to share it as a Christmas story to everybody. Um, so yes, round nine and round 10. Holy smokes, exciting. So uh, in my group, my fantasy uh, rodeo team, uh, team Haley won it with 100 points. And, um, and so there were 10, 10 members that picked team Haley. So I drew three names this morning and posted it in the group and three of you get a free month in the group as my Christmas present to you. Congratulations. Um, but it was not easy. I mean, Haley had a hundred points, but not far behind her, uh, was Emily with 70 points and Lisa was 65. So it was a pretty, pretty exciting NFR at the end of the, um, at the end of the 10 days. I really wasn't sure. Was Haley going to be the champion? Was Jordan going to be the champion? Was Wenda or Lisa? And then Shelly Morgan, holy smokes, 
she just came up out of nowhere. And then watch out for Emily because if they weren't hitting a barrel, they were winning a go around. Um, it was impressive. So the finals ended up with Haley being the, the champion, the world champion, winning $302,000. She also became, I think, a million dollar cowgirl while she was at the NFR, or a million one at the NFR. So $300,000 um, was her total for the year. Jordan Briggs ended up reserve champion. So that was amazing. Her and Rolo were super consistent. They placed a lot. They just didn't win the go-arounds a lot. But they had 274000 to their earnings. Shelly, I mean, golly, they were so consistent. I believe she won the average, and that really bumped her up into the third hole with 265. And Lisa and Lockhart and Levy, wow, I think they what, hit maybe one barrel for the whole time. 253,000 coming in what 14th and ending up fourth in the world, which is phenomenal. Um, Winda had a phenomenal finals too, mainly with Mo, a little bit with Mac, winning 231,000 for the year. Emily and Congo, 221, finishing sixth for the year. Margo and Sissy, finishing seventh, or 184. Eighth, Bailey from Fort Worth, rode a couple of different horses through the NFR. 182 finished eighth donna and valor finished ninth and they did have some challenges with slips and getting by that first barrel almost falling at first barrel but thankfully he's okay she's okay and 171,000 after a hip replacement ninth in the world is still pretty dang impressive and being 65 years old to boot uh, finishing 10th in the uh, world was leslie and gus i think they were really the underdog coming in 15th Shocking everybody with how amazing they were doing at the Thomas and Mac. Um, shocking to me, I guess, because I really hadn't tracked them at all that year. And just really uh, impressed by how they just went in there and, and did so amazing. So finished 10th, moved up from 15th. Uh, Brittany Posey is super solid with Birdie. Also um, ran her other horse in the beginning. Uh, Pickles. And 154 for the year, which is super impressive. 12th, Cassie. Cassie uh, and her big boy, Will, was so impressive. 150,000. Uh, 13th, Sissy. Sissy did amazing on a couple horses. Uh, 149. Stevie. Stevie had some rough luck. I mean, she lost Lemon Drop this year. Heartbreaking loss for her. Her horse was her best friend. We can all uh, relate to that. And then coming in with um, Sandy. Sands in my socks and struggling on that second barrel because of her Kind of a rappy style on that harder type ground. Um, but she's okay too. Stevie posted it. So that's awesome. Anybody who's been around rodeo knows that rodeo ground is so much different than super show ground. And I remember way back when I went to a Colorado clinic with WPRA, Christy Peterson, Kelly Yates, Marlene Edelman, Becky Carson. I'm trying to think who else was there. It was like five WPRA, Lynn Brown. And they all got to speak and... Kelly Yates was on Fiesta, and she did a demo on Fiesta and how she liked to stand her up and get her rate and her turn all at spot one, the entrance. Um, and then Christy Peterson got on Bozo, and um, she was very humble, and she only picked two things that she says, that's all I know. And then we all laughed because obviously, you know, reserve world champion like 10 years and world champion two years. She knows a lot more than those two things she told us, but they were two really important things. She talked about how rodeo ground is not always like Jack Potter Super Show and how important it is to stay two hands and try to stand a horse up. Because if they if you go to the horn early and they get that really pretty 
roundness to their turns that sometimes their feet won't stay up under them and um and they'll slip or worse and uh, even a, a good form so i think that's why when um all the controversy with Haley, she was just trying to say that her horse's style sissy of how she stands up that very roll back stand up style she does really well at the thomas mac because it can be slick and hard and um and i think that's what she was trying to say and i don't know why there's so much drama on facebook but I think as long as we all try to stay positive and focus on the positive, I mean, it's hard what they do, you know, and, and it's hard for all those horses. The more seasoned they become, like the more you go, anybody who's seasoned a horse for Super Show or Jackpot or Rodeo, Pro Rodeo, they know the first year is really just getting the horse to, you know, figure things out. And um, it's the same for, you know, the horse has to learn how to carry themselves in different conditions and and the first time you go somewhere is never as good as maybe, you know, not always, but sometimes it takes you going somewhere regularly to really master an arena or a pin. And um, so anyways, I just thought that was, um, it was, I was just very, why I'm bringing this up is I'm just really happy that Sandy was okay and, and Stevie and, um, and she's had a challenging year, but even with her challenges of losing lemon drop and, and the fall and all of that. Look at, she still won 138,000, 14th in the world. Uh, 15th in the world is Jessica. And um, Jessica had an awesome finals, 123,000 in the world. So it was just a really great deal to see everybody. Um, Haley won five go-arounds. So that's pretty impressive. Um, she split one with uh, Lisa. And then, uh, you know, it's just... It was really just an exciting time to see how everybody did. But Haley and Sister are the world champions. Jordan and Rolo are the reserve champions. Shelly and Morgan, average champions. Lisa and Levi, Levy, um, Levy, I'm sorry. It's been a long week. I had a clinic this weekend, and I'm still tired and recovering from that. Um, so anyways, I taught a clinic. I'm supposed to have eight people. One ended up with a hurt horse, so hopefully it'll be all right. But... But um, I take smaller amounts in my clinics now because I do them by myself without assistance so I can have more one-on-one -on -one with each rider. And I actually like it better and it works out better in the sense I'm not paying assistance so I take less in less riders and I can really spend more time coaching each and every one and getting to know them. I love clinics in the sense that you can watch and learn as you know riders get to watch and learn me as I work with each individual team. But I also love private lessons because of the one-on-one. -on -one. So this is kind of a nice little mix. And I've changed my clinics over the years too. I used to ride the horses, but I found now I'd rather spend more time teaching people how to do it themselves and have as much teaching time as possible. So it's funny how you do things over time. It's like the trainer I was when I first started the first five years compared to the trainer I was 10, 15 years later. Same as my coaching group. When I started with the coaching group, I was hoping it all worked out and I had kind of a game plan. I'd been reviewing videos for probably 15 years with um, coach coaching apps, but but I'd never coached a ton of people out of state, never meeting them before. Um, you know, and that that's been new and fun and and even people in Florida State, I haven't actually met them in a clinic or a lesson, but I coach them. And it's all working out really well, but it's been like I said, you're always learning, you're always growing, and I think that's what's so awesome about the NFR. You watch these riders go in there and they lay down a run and they win. 
and then they're on that confidence high and you, you can have confidence. Like Haley must have a ton of confidence when she gets sister to the NFR because that mare loves that arena. But imagine being there for your first time with a horse and not knowing how they're going to respond. You know, you're not going to be as confident, but even look at Emily and Congo, they'll hit a barrel one run and come back and win it the next. So learning to mentally shake something off and get refocused is so important. And that's important in life as well. We never know what someone's dealing with. Um, you know, in, in my personal case, this past year has had so many blessings and so many wonderful things, but also very big heartache things. And sometimes I get triggered by it. You know, I lost my horse sister and I lost my dog hunter. And sometimes I get triggered and start to cry. And then there's other times I look back and say, I'm so thankful for my family and my friends and this ranch and my horses. And I'm thankful for my business and my coaching group and my clinics. And, you know, there's so many things to be thankful for. You know, this living in pain with my hip has been hard, but I've got it scheduled to, um, you know, working in pain has been really hard and not getting to ride has been even harder. But February 21st, I get surgery. I'll have a month downtime and then hopefully pain-free, I'll get to be back in the saddle enjoying my horses and using Rocky for my clinics and lessons in the future. And so there's always things to look forward to. So I'm going to leave you with this thought, a little bit of a Christmas thought for everybody. Uh, pick a word or pick a slogan for 2023 that you want to be your, your thing that gets you through. And everybody's is going to be different. For me, it's going to be believe, to, be, to believe in my goals but to also help each and every one of my team to believe in their self and their horses and their goals and their dreams. Because I feel like that's one of the most important things you can do for yourself is to believe in yourself and believe um, that anything's possible. So is, is it going to be hard work? Yes. Are you going to have to have ups and downs? Yes. But will it be worth it? Absolutely. So thank you for tuning in. As always, um, ride with heart. God bless. And Jesus is the reason for the season.